and other fell on good ground and did yield the fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty, some a hundred. A good sowing had taken place here where there was a yield. There was a production and reproduction. There was a yield to the point where 30% success, 60, 100. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let that person hear. What does this mean? It means that the Lord is ready to explain the secret, to explain this parable. And you see in the Bible that the Lord um, taught um, more than two score more than 40, maybe 50 or 55 parables in all of the Gospels. And uh, in the Gospels, there were repetitions of it because, after all, these writers were capturing what they heard from their angle. And so, taking into account the repetition, we come down to around 30 or 31 or so unique parables that can be tallied out of the Gospels as being individual and distinct. So when he spoke, he was using these uh, similitudes and these explanations with something these people were used to. Other times he would use parables speaking about fishing something they can readily understand. In this case, he spoke on this agriculture. The Lord says, whoever is listening has ears to hear, let that person really hear, meaning understand. He that hath ears to hear let him hear. If you have your lines unmuted, just check your lines, please. If you can mute your line, then it will be uh, helpful so that there's no interference. You can just press mute on your uh, phone, and then we'll be able to continue without any uh, disruption. Praise God. This parable here, the Lord says after he mentions the description of these four types of um, events that followed the sowing. Now he says, whoever has ears to hear, let that person hear. And when he was alone, they that, they were, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. They were hearing with their ears, but they didn't understand. But they had a desire to understand. This is something the Lord wants us to receive. That He's always willing to... The Lord is always willing, always willing, to give us what we need to know and explain what we need to know. Because his desire is that we understand. It's written in the Bible, the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. He's come with a purpose that we can understand what he is speaking about. What's the use of hearing the sermon and hearing things from heaven if we really can't understand it and put it into practice? And he allowed the people who were hungry to ask him. The Lord said, 
you don't have because you don't ask. And in Matthew 7, he says, ask and it shall be given you. To desire wisdom and truth is the highest pursuit of a human being. The wisdom and truth that comes from heaven. And here the Lord is saying, see how these people pressed him and asked him. He wanted to be asked and he wanted to explain. And he said unto them, in verse 11, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are outside, all these things are done in parables. You see? The people who come close to the Lord Jesus, they get to partake of the divine mystery. God actually explains it. It's no longer a mystery or merely mystical. God means to explain in practical terms what that practical parable is all about. And he said, why? Not everybody is going to understand. It's not because the Lord is partial, but it's because the people are partial. What does that mean? The Lord is not partial. The people are partial. How are they partial? Well, they have an incongruous or faulty value placed upon information. They don't know how to distinguish between the truth that comes from God and everything else they hear. And this is the trouble that happens to many people and why they miss everlasting life. They take what Jesus said, and they may say it's nice, but then they study other things and they lump it all together and they try to come away with some kind of eclectic approach to life, thinking that if I get the best of all worlds, then I'll make it. But it's not possible. When Jesus said, I am the way, or I am the way, or I am the way, I am the truth, or I am the truth, or I am the truth, I am the life. I am the life. I am the life. These people recognized that they desperately need to know what heaven is talking about. What is it the teacher is talking about? It's the people who press in, who say, there's no sacrifice too great for me to make so that I can have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, so that I can know what God's plan is for my life. Everything else is secondary and tertiary. This is eternal life. Is what I'm after. I need to know what God is saying. What is his plan? What is his mystery down the ages? And particularly, I don't just want to deal in broad generalities. I want to know what is his specific will. What is his blueprint for my life? I'm not called to be an aimless wanderer. In some kind of fatalistic approach or trial and error through life. No. The Lord told this parable to reveal the state of the hearts of every human being. And he said, there are people who will hear, but they won't hear. And those people who are not interested, but they categorize me and catalog my teachings along with everything else. See, sprinkle some here and there and I'll decide what to do. No, we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, you decide what to do with my life. I want to know your original plan and get back with you by getting saved. The Lord says, for you, I'll tell you what it is. But for them, the people, who don't really care to know, who don't really take it as a priority to get near me, it's going to remain a parable. That seeing they may see of course, this is from the book of Isaiah, and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. The whole object or objective of the word of God coming to any human being in any part of the world at any given time is so they can be restored. God is about restoration and healing. That's the purpose of the gospel. That people should be what? Converted. They should switch. They should be changed. 
transformed having their sins, which are a barrier between us and God, removed out of the way through God's power. So when he said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, in verse 9, many people can hear, but who can actually perceive? Who can actually understand? And so it is. As this morning, so in churches and so in evangelistic um, campaigns, uh, when people read the Bible, there are people who go to the library and uh, have a free access to the tomes or volumes of a lot of human wisdom down the ages. And in virtually any field you can imagine, it's cataloged, as we know, by subject. What it is you'd like to learn, come, partake of knowledge. The Greeks were big on that. They would come, as we see in the book of Acts, they want to know what's the latest and greatest thing. They would argue and debate about it and go home. Then they come back again, talk about it and go home. They wouldn't get saved unless they heard the truth from heaven one day and they yielded to that. You see, they perceived that this is everlasting life. Do you know people in your life? They have seen your life. They've seen the change. They know you love Jesus, but they just can't love Jesus. And they hear about Jesus Christ. But there's no transformation. Is it because the seed is ineffective? No, it's the problem with the ground. The ground has become partial to whatever it wants to do and not for the purpose of taking that word and producing... As John says, John the Baptist, fruit, meat, or worthy of repentance. In other words, it's taken in, like in uh, many Billy Graham crusades over the years, we've heard, probably the most popular evangelist of all modern time, at least. I've read many, many reports over the years from varied lands across the globe. So they went to that crusade, and this man at the time speaking with the gift of the Holy Spirit in evangelism, people who never would have responded that way any other place. People who even went to church. But something happened that day. They didn't just hear with their ears. They received a hearing which comes by the word of God. Faith which comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Something came over them that they decided, I have to respond to this. Many people's lives were changed. And so in the crowd, the multitudes that Jesus was, was speaking to, some people pressed in to know, what does this mean? And the Lord told them. And he told them before he explained it that there are two divisions of people in the human race. Those who will perceive and repent, get born again, receiving the forgiveness of sins. And those who hear the same message and there's no change. Now we can apply this further as I believe every one of us this morning are born again. That even among Christians, we can either be dull of hearing or we can be sharp in our hearing where we actually perceive and receive there's a growth in the spirit. And he said unto them, you don't understand this parable? Then how will you know all parables? There's an expectation of the Lord. Even though he's getting ready to explain it, he said, you know, you need to get sharper. Has the Lord ever told you that? Have you ever felt that? God's saying, I've given you so much, but how much did you put into practice? Because he said, to him that has, more will be given. Whoever takes in what God has said and looks at it very closely and asks himself or herself, now, what does the Lord require of me? What is the particular response he wants? If we hear about Love. Love your neighbor 
as you love yourself. Far more than saying, well, that's the part of the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Far more than saying, well, this is a basic tenet or principle of Christianity. More than saying, well, this is something that is a principle of the kingdom of God and this is where you can find it in the Bible and these are the many ways in which this is communicated. What God is really looking for is, are you putting into practice? Is the word bearing fruit in your life? Are there people that you haven't forgiven? Are there people that you don't care to really think about or be around because you really don't like them? You can't get yourself to forgive them or tolerate them, be patient with them or love them. Has God ever spoken to you? Broken down the walls that are partial? Lord, I'll do this, but not this. Or have you said, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Lord, whatever you say, I will do. Because your word is life, every part of it. He said to them, don't you know this parable? How will you understand other things? It seems that he expected them to pick up on this. And yet God, being so generous and patient with us, all of us, where would we be if he wasn't? He's so patient, he will teach us. So we can come to him if we've been disillusioned by our own indifference to the truth. And we begin to beat ourselves up over it. They say, how, how long will it be before you learn? Have you ever felt frustrated? You know, God has been speaking to me on certain things. I just haven't acted upon it. I've, I think I'm, I'm not worth, um, this truth, I'm not worthy of it. There are people who would go into condemnation. They'll actually walk away from the Lord. The devil would have successfully convinced them that you can't go to the Lord a hundredth time because he's not going to hear you. No. The Lord Jesus' promise stands. He said, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. But the coming to him means that we come sincerely. The people who pressed in, rather than question him, like certain people, the lawyers and the Pharisees certainly, almost every one of them, coming to try to catch him in his word. They weren't interested in having the word bear fruit. They wanted to go at it with the Lord and trying to outsmart him. Can anyone outsmart God, the living God? Therefore they died in their sins. But we are privileged to say, Lord, even when I don't understand, Lord, Cause my hearing to be sharp. You know, there are people that we pray for in the ministry. And one of our prayers is, because of God's love, Lord, help them to be sharp. Help them to grow, that they can perceive what it is that you're communicating to them so they can benefit. It can become real in their lives. And they won't hear it with one ear and let it out the other ear. That they would understand the counsel from the Holy Spirit. And know that the response that God is looking for is obedience so that they can be blessed. Well, the Lord explains it. The sower soweth, not physical seed. God is always talking about heavenly spiritual things, supernatural things. He says the sower sows the word. And the first group are people like that seed that fell on the footpath, if you will, where people walk the wayside where the word is sown. There's no soil there, particularly. And when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Do you know how you can recognize people like this? When they hear the word and the counsel and the warning and the promise, it has absolutely no effect on their next action. If they've been warned by the Lord, don't go this way, that's where they go. Satan came and took it. It was as if they never heard the word, which is a very terrible thing for them. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with 
gladness. This say right on. That's some preaching right there. Jesus, it's, the, it's about the best thing I've heard all day. I like it. I think I'll be back for more. They clap, they jump, they shout, Amen, Hallelujah. They stomp their feet, they shake their head, they take notes. So excited. To the Lord there's a problem with the second group of people. They have no root in themselves. No root whatsoever. And so they endure but a little bit, just a little bit. And what happens is after that little bit, affliction comes, some trouble. There's a trial. Or the devil launches a, an attack on their faith through persecution. He uses circumstances to afflict them or he uses people to afflict them. And the person who's weak instantly gives up. and says, well, I guess the Christian life is not for me. I mean, if it's going to mean that my people are going to turn against me and people are going to find this hostile to them and I'm a person that's disrupting the party, well, I can't do that. No, no, no. I want to be a nice person. I want people to like me. Uh, I want to be that person who can get into that book, that bestseller, you know? Seven Habits of uh, Most Successful People or How to Win Friends. I don't need this persecution. And you know, since I started believing and really pressing in to know God, all hell is broken loose. I don't need this trouble. I'm going to go back to uh, doing things the way I did or I'm going to try to be an undercover Christian. Notice it says, the affliction and persecution is not common. In other words, everybody gets a cold and everybody has to face winter or some harsh weather outside, the elements. Everyone has to face some financial difficulties sometime. Everyone has to face many things that are common to the experience of human beings. But when it comes to those who receive the word from heaven, and they've been privileged to hear that word, and they have received it in measure, those people will not have common experiences that are native to all human beings. It will be a particular class of struggles that will come upon them. Because you see, the word of God must be tried. How? It's not that the word has to be tried, it's the person who has the word that has to be tried to see whether they're worthy of eternal life at all. And so it says in the book of Acts, we must all enter heaven through much trials, much tribulation. God will test our allegiance to see what we're made up of. That is, what our faith is. What our faith is made up of. Isn't it marvelous that we can know how it's going to go with this, so we don't faint along the way? But we say, Lord, give me more grace. This is how it is. There's a battle immediately, as we heard in the life training school recently. The moment you get born again, you're in the middle of a battlefield. The Lord begins to supply grace. And we go from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. The muscles get strong. The weapons get delivered to us from heaven. And the skill begins to be developed as well to handle those weapons successfully. And so we forge through the forest of the fowler, this enemy that's trying to ensnare us. We cut through his lies and we keep on going until we reach our destination, the celestial city, heaven. They thought Christianity was easy. They thought, you know, all I have to do is nod and say, yes, Jesus, I want that pie in the sky. And why not? If you can have a friend who will be with you through thick and thin. But when I have to be a friend who would be faithful to him, and affliction or persecution comes, these people get offended immediately. That is, they stumble. They say, no, 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 no. No, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for church. I didn't sign up for war. I signed up for a hospital. Not for battle. Well, 
according to the scriptures, the church is at once both entities. It's a hospital to heal people because Jesus heals the brokenhearted. He cares about us. He's always calling us, saying, come home, which is come and live with him where we can have his grace, intimate knowledge, communion with him, and go through any mountain, any valley successfully. The Lord says, come closer to me. But also he says, now you have a battle. You're part of the godly army of Jesus Christ. And in the church, you'll find out the war strategy. Because in church, God will expose the enemy and he'll show you his tactics. How he's trying to take you down and how you must fight against it and overcome. The Lord will supply the weapons. So it involves affliction and persecution. That's a given. Anyone who says Christianity doesn't involve this, but you can love people and you can do good works and you can travel here and there and see where you kind of fit in and if you don't like it, just keep moving. And never mind the truth. What you're looking for is a philosophy that suits your particular taste. And so um, when the going gets tough, you're going to get going. Not to face the tough, but to find a better place where you can rest and enjoy life. These people immediately get offended. But you see, they immediately were glad. How do you figure that? Immediate joy and then immediate fall. Because God said there's no root. There's no root. Whatever they received, they didn't receive it properly. Anyone who's planted any seed at all, any, whether it's a small plant or you're a farmer, you know it's got to go in deep. And in, indeed, you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever you can uh, go, and or these nurseries, you pick up plants, you pick up... Um, seed for fruit trees and all these various wonderful things God has made. And you'll have instructions often that will say, well, this particular plant or tree needs to be, uh, it needs to begin by you taking that seed or even that baby plant, you buy it with some of the soil, and you're going to transplant it into your ground, but it has to go yay deep. It has to go so many inches. Otherwise, it's going to come up. It's not going to produce what you want. Whatever seems to appear is going to quickly die. The root has to be deep. And so the Lord says, they have no root in themselves in verse 17. Well, how do you develop root? You have to be honest. You have to be humble. You have to know God is changing you to become really holy. Because he says, I'm holy, you be holy. And you have to really love God and love people. If there's bitterness, the word will not take root. If there's hatred, the word will not take root. If there's spiritual laziness, the word will not take root. If there's lack of honesty, lack of integrity. And we go to God and commend ourselves before God all day long and tell people how good we are. I know the Bible. I know God. I was raised here, raised there. I did this and that. You don't have to tell me to be careful. That's for those people who are just new to this Christian stuff. Well, that pride will cause no root to be there. They get slaughtered. Pride comes before the fall. God help us to be ever humble to receive God's word and always make sure, Lord, I want this to go so deep that there'll be a yield, Lord. There'll be a harvest. They'll be well-pleasing to you. But so far, not so good. The Lord says, 
And let me tell you, these are they, verse 18, which are sown among the thorns, such as the recording the has started. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So you have seed that go on that wayside, no soil. You have seed that falls on rocky or stony ground, very little, if anything, of soil. And you have seed that appears to have soil, but then external forces called thorns come and just undo every good thing that's been done to that plant seed or the seed. And the Lord explains, you know, when I tell you this parable, this represents these thorns, the cares of this world, you know, the worry about social security, about food, about what my family will think about me, about my job, you know, my job, my job, my job. There's some people, Christians, who their preoccupation and main occupation is to think about the physical, earthly job. And everything will revolve around that. Now, granted, when you have a, an employer, it's a responsibility to carve out a certain amount of time in your day and certain things can be compromised. However, we're speaking of people who can make adjustments, but the gospel is not preeminent in their lives. The word of God is not paramount. Their spiritual nurture is not the main thing. It's how, I can still get spiritual nurture, but it has to revolve around money and my making of that money and uh, ensuring, ensuring that I'm comfortable. If I can sit down and take a mug of my favorite coffee, maybe sit at Barnes and Nobles or somewhere, I can discuss Christianity. Oh, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I love Jesus and I love the Bible. I really believe it's true. And I do believe that I can uh, have a good yield in my life when I talk about it. But to get up early in the morning, join some morning call, and to hear the word without any input? I mean, I can't even talk. <clears throat> That's a little too much. It's a, <clears throat> a little too radical for me. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in losing sleep. I don't believe in getting hungry or losing food or putting the word above breakfast. It's a very real problem for people doing injustice to their souls. They don't understand the value at all. And so when the cares come knocking and they get a phone call from their best friend, somebody wants to talk about the latest sale of Macy's, they all put pause on the word of God because their affections really are somewhere else. You know, when they're reading the Word, they're on fire. But when Macy's comes on the scene, Macy's is on fire for them. They love church and ministering, but when Dancing with the Stars comes on, or whatever they have, I don't even know the name particularly, but some kind of show on TV becomes very attractive, and they put this on hold. There are people we've met who have run home because of a pet. They've actually cut short hearing the word of God, even for one hour, rushing home. And this is a weekly thing. My dog's hungry. It's wrong to let your dog go hungry. God said, take care of the animal. Where are the priorities? Couldn't you have made some preparation so that the dog doesn't take the word of God away from you? Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. How do you guard your heart? We need the word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. By your word, 
moreover, your servant is warned, says in Psalm 19. I need the word. But the cares of this world and also the deceitfulness of riches and the desires, the lusts for other things entering in, end up choking the word and they end up in the same category ultimately as the other people. Notice it becomes unfruitful. What's the use? What does God do with trees that are not fruitful? Well, in his mercy, as the Lord told another parable, he allows himself to be convinced, I'll give it one more year. God is not like many human beings. You know, you blow it once, you uh, rub me the wrong way, you're history. I'll go find someone new. Thank God he's not like that. None of us would make it to heaven. But God does look for repentance because he's good to us. The goodness of God leads you to repentance, it says in Romans. It should. And so when God says, well, I don't see any fruit here, what's happening? Maybe an angel comes along and says, Lord, just one more year. Let's see what will happen. If, if it doesn't happen after next year, they still don't get it. They don't want it. See, that's what it means. It's not that there's ignorance. There's willful ignorance. They do not want it. They're simply trying to play with Christianity, play with the truth, manipulate the truth. Actually, they're God carrying a Bible and not worshipping the God of the Bible. How do you know that? They don't obey. Or they have selective hearing. They'll do what they feel like whenever they feel like. It's not, Lord, you are Lord. I'm your bond servant. You're my life. I need to obey you, Lord, and follow you. Well, let's notice here that it's not only the cares of this world. No, God cares about us every detail of our lives. When somebody's sick, God is the first one that wants their healing. He is. He's the best father. When someone is emotionally drained and maybe they're depressed, maybe they have so many regrets that it haunts them no matter how uh, good it becomes in life and opportunities open up. They always have this thing they're carrying around. It's a heavy burden. God cares. He wants to lift that burden. Is that a person who says, well, you shouldn't worry about anything uh, in the sense that it shouldn't bother you. No, he said, there are things that will bother because things need to be set right, but don't take it upon yourself instead of bringing it to me, because if you do, the word that I've given to you for release from that burden will be choked, and you'll be just like the world. We don't want to be like that. We're called to be different, because we've been given a different identity and different power, new power, new life. But the pleasure, money, money. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy and all those that would hear through Timothy and all of us down the centuries. The love of money is the root, not a good root, it's a bad root, root of all evil. So you want the word to take root? you got to uproot the other thing, which is love for the dollar. Love for material prosperity. Will God prosper? Will he give money? Absolutely. He'll give you and me what we need. But many people, we read in the book of James also, they've fallen into snares even in the pastoral epistles we read. And Timothy's warned, don't go that way. There are people who started well, but all of a sudden money started to attract them and they fell and they fell hard and they shipwrecked their faith. Be careful. You should never underestimate the enemy. Never underestimate the flesh. If you revive it or you ignore it when it's rising up, instead of cutting it down and crucifying it, it'll take you over. We have to be disciplined soldiers. And notice, 
to cover everything that may come and choke the word, he says, and the desires for other things. Whatever it is. It may be quite literally lust for immoral pleasures, physical pleasures. It may be the lust for popularity. Strong desire that everywhere I go, I must be the hero. Do you know people like that? Have you been someone like that? You just have to be the life of the party. you got to open your mouth. They have to know your presence. You're here. Otherwise, you feel insignificant and you can't allow that. It becometh unfruitful. As we come to a close this morning in this beautiful parable in which God exposes what kind of ground, really, had access to this life-giving Seed, which is the Word of God. What happened as a result? Because of the type of ground. The Lord says that fourth group was good ground. They hear the Word. They receive it. And bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now when we review what we just heard, and what the Lord said in the previous cases, obviously, the people that were considered good ground by God, they didn't have the problem that they didn't have soil. In other words, they were purposeful when they came to the morning call. They had a definite goal when they went to that spiritual church. When they opened the Bible every time, there was a purpose that this thing's got to transform me because that's the function of the Word of God. Not just to expose what's wrong, but to supply what's needed to change me and convert me, to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Every single time. So their soil is there. They're ready to receive with a purpose. And they're certainly not, these people that yielded 30, 60, and 100, they're certainly not like those people who fell on the stony ground who were absolutely thrilled and they're very vocal about it. Let everybody know. Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the answer for the world today. They're on a campaign everywhere. I love Jesus hats. Jesus loves you bumper stickers. Every time they have coffee... They have to tell themselves and tell other people. I'm special. Because Jesus loves me. And as soon as they get a phone call, man, you have a bill due. You're in deep trouble. I'm going to take you to court. All of a sudden that coffee mug with Jesus loves me goes crashing down on the kitchen floor. They start calling up a neighbor, girlfriend, or man friend, whoever. They start saying, my whole day is ruined. It's the creditors. I'm in big trouble. I miss some mail and I might go to jail. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And I can't think of anything. Forget about the word. Forget about church. Forget about God and good times with God and Right now I'm in bad times and all I can think is how to get the next fix to try to drown this sorrow away, this trouble. Some kind of adversity comes and they throw in the towel. Apparently these people were not like that. They were of different, different character and caliber. They knew it's going to come because they knew what God said. They listened carefully. Things will come to try to militate and go head to head, toe to toe. Against what God just told you. If he said you're going to be healed, the devil will bring some bad report. And God expects us to rise above that, not simply uh, with some kind of mustering up of some uh, positive talk, self-talk, but speak the word of God. Lord, you are the great physician, bigger than any other physician. And I'm looking to you, the same God who said in Exodus 15:26, See, I am the Lord that healeth you. 
I'm banking on the word of God. I know it hurts. It's it's like an arrow out of nowhere to floor me, but I will not be floored because I stand on the rock, on the word of God. They're not of that sort who immediately give up when uh, adversity comes. Neither are they the type where pleasures can come and steal them away from God. They may be reading their Bible, they're praying, you know, they even started fasting. Watch out, devil. I have the ammo. I have all the ammunition from heaven. And I'm on a rampage. I'm going to take you down. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a warrior princess or warrior prince. And I have a whole posse with me. They're also fasting and praying. And then they get a phone call. You've been selected to win a free trip, free cruise. And uh, all you have to do is miss a couple of Sundays in church and you'll have the whole cruise mapped out for you. I mean, this is for real. It's not some gimmick. And look, your neighbor actually went on a cruise last year. And we don't know how it happened, but you've been selected this time. You're going to miss church a couple of weeks. Don't worry. I'm sure there's some Christian thing you can find on the ship on Sundays. Enjoy yourself. And uh, you'll also have dancing available and, of course, secular music. You'll have a bar on board. I mean, this ship is decked out, quite literally, with everything you can desire. You're going to be like a little kid in a three-ring circus. You're going to be like a little kid in a chocolate factory. What happens? Of course! I can always make up church, but I can't make up the carnival. What happens? The devil simply exposes that you actually are a part-time Christian, aren't you? You're a person who likes to stick with God so long as I don't bring something more attractive. And you're also someone who has a desire to feel comfort. You know, if it's not comfortable, you don't want anything to do with it. And so far, it's been a blast. You can go to church when you get up late on Sunday. And you can catch your favorite Christian speakers on Christian radio when you feel like it. And you can read the Bible on your digital device and catch something on the subway commute. Um, and when you have a problem come up where you don't have enough funds in the bank, well, you just put everything else on hold. Forget about Jesus because now this is the real world. That stuff is a, a pie-in-the-sky kind of world where you don't really get to have a victory with the real world. You know, it's a wonderful concept. Just sit there and meditate on the Beatitudes. Blessed are you. Beautiful. The Psalms are probably the greatest poetry you ever heard. I like it. I like all of it. But now the real world. Uh, the girlfriend wants to leave me or the boyfriend wants to leave me. And I'm just a mess. I don't even think Jesus can help me here. What I need to do is call the therapist. Consult my favorite talk show host, Guru. I need to look at my horoscope today. That's probably the problem. The word is not there. It's a very real problem. It may sound like uh, some facetious talk, but actually... This is how the devil operates. And the Lord says, beware. The devil, the flesh, and the world. If we can know the triple threat, then we can meet that triple threat. The triple persons of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Knowing my Father cares for me, He won't let me down. I won't let the cares of this life choke the word. 
that he gave me. I will strengthen my relationship with him by spending time with his presence, in his word, in prayer, with a purpose, with a goal, and be with people who are like-minded, not people who play Christianity, but people who really follow Jesus Christ. Strengthen myself. I will rely on the Son of God who saved my soul, the greatest feat that could ever be performed. How will he not take care of the rest of my things? I can go to him with any problem and he will be there to help me. I can call upon his name and plead his blood when the devil brings things to take away my attention from God. I recognized. God told me it'll happen. I'm prepared. My root has gone deeper. What happens to a tree that has deeper roots? You can't really budge it easily. In fact, some trees, you probably have to get a bulldozer. So, so stalwart, robust, that it breaks up concrete. The roots are so strong. The growth is so unstoppable, that concrete breaks when this root goes there. One of these examples is the mulberry tree. To be very careful where that thing gets planted because it'll take over. But in a good way, it's robust because the roots are deep. We need that. How? By being where God wants us to be in His presence, and by doing what he says for us to do every time he gives us instruction. There'll be a steady growth. The root will go deep downward and the fruit will be produced upward above the ground for all to see. Which means that people will see that and say, my God, that's got to be the real God. The glorified living God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is seen. And good works. I want to close this morning by not only reminding us that there's a 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And so we can actually go for the 100-fold. Said, Lord, with everything that's within me, I will do my part, Lord. Draw me closer to you. I want to be a hundredfold Christian. Yes, Lord. Lord, I want it so that you are Lord of all of my life, not just Lord of some things, in which case it's not Lord at all. But Lord, my finances, my family, my job, my hobbies, my food, my friends, everything in my life comes under the Lordship of the living God, Jesus Christ. The triple threat is also met when we Yield to the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, the Trinity. When I get filled with the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, I can begin to do battle at a level that I could not before. Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, uttering things I don't even know, but the Spirit who prays deep within me knows what to pray through me. When I'm a person who obeys God, and also praise with my understanding and praise in the Spirit. Praise or sings with understanding and sings with the Spirit. I'll be successful against the enemy. And he would not be, he will not be able to prevent me from growing with deep roots and plenty of fruit to the glory of God. The other thing I'd like to conclude this morning with is borers be O-R-E-R-S as in boring a hole. There are certain insects that are called borers. What they do is destroy trees. And these insects, they have an affinity, it seems. They're attracted to weak trees. They know the difference between a strong tree and a weak tree. They try to avoid the strong tree. They may try here and there, but they know they can't overcome that tree. In fact, the stronger trees, the healthy trees, 
they're able to fight off these insects, these borers that literally dig holes in the trees and take it down. The healthier, stronger trees with the stronger roots growing, proper nourishment, they're able to fight off these pests that literally come after their life. But the weaker trees to which these insects are actually attracted, they're not able to stand up against it. These little things pile up and they destroy these trees that are weak. What a picture of the Christian life. Whatever cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lusts for other things, try to crowd in. Whatever demon tries to come and distract you from hearing the word and understanding it and putting it into practice. Whatever superficial revival and false revival is going around, you know the Lord told you about all these things and you're prepared. Why? Because you don't waste time with those things. You build up yourself in the most holy faith by being in the word for yourself. You don't want to rush through devotion, but you understand, Lord, there's a problem here. Maybe I've gotten a point where it's become mechanical. Maybe I've gotten a point where I just have to do it. It becomes a thing on my list. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to get back to the original purpose, Lord. I really want to spend more time with you to understand, Lord, what it is that you are telling me, what you require so that I can cooperate with you and really grow. A real nourishment, real strength. Being one with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything that God has provided in His Son and through the Spirit. I want it all. Because I want to please my Father. By abiding in Him, receiving the life, the sap that comes from the vine, the branches will be strong. And when the analogy speaks of us as being trees, righteous trees, the roots will be deep. The maturity will come about where nothing will shake us. We see this captured in the Psalms as King David says, um, I will not be greatly shaken, Lord, no matter what happens, even if the earth gives way, even if the mountains get uprooted and thrown to the midst of the sea, there's calamity everywhere. I'm not going to be shaken. Oh, no, 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 because I know who I believed in. And then he goes on to this. He says, I'm going to be shaken, period. On the one hand, uh, the maturation process can be seen like this. There are times in which we shake for everything that is adverse. And then there's a time where it really has to get really bad before we get shaken. And then there's a time that comes when we continue to grow like that tree with powerful roots, robust trunk, rich sap, protected well, begins to break ground and take over, which is the overcoming life. Not shaken at all. To the point where when God will shake everything in the end, those things which are unshakable, that means those people and souls who are attached to Him as the vine, they'll also be unshakable. We'll be forever with the Lord. In this life, and in the next life, the Lord says, you'll receive a hundredfold. If you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Reject every offer of the devil, every counterfeit offer of the world that is calling you. Every desire of the flesh, crucify it. You'll be unshakable. You'll yield a hundredfold fruit. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord. Give me ears to hear. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Every time you speak, Lord, let there be a progress, Lord, to the way we receive your word with reverence, humility, and a goal to produce hundredfold fruit to the glory of God the Father. Father in heaven, I pray, be with every brother, every sister, 
in whatever they're going through, Lord. Pour your spirit upon them, Lord. Help them to know how to be more intimate with you, Lord, to grow in your grace, to be overcomers, fruit bearers, who bear a hundredfold fruit, Lord, to the point where others will see this is nothing but the work of the Almighty God. Now I want to know how to overcome all adversity. Having done all to stand victorious, more than a conqueror, bringing glory and honor to the Lord who bought me with his precious blood. I want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to grow in the quantity and quality of my service to the living God. Give a blessing to God and blessing to people. Thank you, Father, for depositing this into our hearts today. For showing us, Lord, what things need to be corrected so we can yield hundredfold fruit and not be like those other classes of grounds which came to nothing, Lord, even after being privileged to hear the word. Thank you, Lord. You call us to bear much fruit and fruit that will last. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.